0: Johnson is the new executive director of the National LGBTQ Task Force, and she's here to talk about the task force, their fabulous upcoming virtual events, and give us her spin on our LGBTQ issues. Hi, Kira. Hello, Charlotte. How are you?
1: I'm on week two in my new position, and I'm feeling great.
0: Give us a little background about the uh, National LGBTQ Task Force.
1: Sure. Um, you know, we were founded in 1973, um, so we are the country's oldest national LGBTQ advocacy group. We've got three major bodies of work that we call Faith, Equity, and Democracy. And the way we get it done is organizing an advocacy and working cross-movement with folks to build, you know, a bigger base for the work. Most of our work is cross-movement. We try to bring an LGBTQ perspective to broader progressive organizing and policy change strategies
0: how did you become involved?
1: you know I started my relationship with the task force over twenty years ago. Um, I was an organizer for a reproductive justice organization, and you know I was in my 20s and I'd started doing this work and it was clear to me that the LGBTQ movement and the reproductive freedom movement shared so many things, right including values like bodily autonomy and self-determination, prioritizing joy and pleasure, working for freedom and agency, and both were working to disrupt widely and deeply held beliefs about what gender is and isn't. And I was like, we need to be working together. So, uh, you know, early on in my organizing career, I started working with the organizers at the task force to do joint events and go to each other's conferences and We started going to Causes in Common. We were invited by the task force to do that. I served on the board for a while when I was the executive director of Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity. And then in 2017, Ray was looking for someone to fill the deputy executive director position. And let's just say the stars aligned and the rest is history.
0: Tell us about some of your upcoming virtual events.
1: Winter Party Festival, uh, otherwise known as a, a party with a cause, is happening March 4th and 6th this year and raises money for LGBTQ work locally and nationally. Winter Party is normally held in Miami Beach um, and is attended by thousands of people from around the world. And it's a celebration of queerness, rights won, lives lost, and our resilience along the way. Um, And it is true now, much as it was 50 years ago, that living out loud, leading and loving unapologetically and with our full identities is an act of resistance. And this is at the core of Winter Party. So, you know, in true queer fashion, music, dance, beauty, and art are, you know, the backdrop for education and celebration and resistance. And this year's event will be the first time we've attempted to take the party virtual. So it's an experiment for us, but people told us they wanted us to do something. And if our other virtual events over the last 11 months are any indication, we expect a full digital house. And then another program that is launching uh, right now is our sex ed leadership project. And it's a program that specifically addresses the needs of LGBTQ young people, which is generally lacking, particularly around um, sex education. Um, our staff and our partners will be providing participants with information, tools, strategies to help these young people make a difference in their own lives, right, to have agency, uh, give them the confidence to have agency in their own lives, but to also to do that within their community.
0: What do you hope to accomplish with these events? And what do you hope to accomplish with the task force? I always think of the task force
1: as a people organization. And so, you know, our events often have multiple goals. The first being to create community, to strengthen community, to solidify. Community, right? And as we do that, another goal may be to mobilize people to take action around a particular policy issue, or it may be to start conversations about, you know, what folks can do in their school districts, right? To improve the lives of LGBTQ people. We create opportunities for people to learn new skills, um, meet new folks teach other people in our community and also learn from each other. And so, you know, these events are no different. Sometimes they're a little more um, wonky, right? You know, we'll have uh, particular events that are geared towards people who really want to get down and dirty about politics and political issues or legislation. So we do briefings around those kinds of things. Or it can be like, you know, I just discussed with Winter Party, where the crux of it is In the celebration, right, so the celebration is central, but we're also using that celebration to raise money, right, for our community to do the things that we know need to be done. And we will continue with that tradition um, to be responsive to our community, to help um, meet the needs, uh, fill gaps that aren't being filled. And primarily, I want to make sure that nobody in our community is falling through the cracks right? Um, It's really important that, you know, LGBTQ people are not just in LGBTQ places and spaces, but that our issues, our concerns, our experiences are represented, right, in spaces that folks don't normally think of, right, as LGBTQ issues.
0: What would you like to see happen for our LGBTQ community in the Biden administration?
1: You know, we need to see some immediate action taken to end the violence against trans women, um, and particularly trans women of color. We are seeing this violence in the streets. We're seeing it in schools. We're seeing it at the hands of the police. We're seeing it in prisons. And it's an epidemic in our country right now. And so, you know, we need to see some real concrete solutions to that. You know, it's long past due and federal protections for LGBTQ people discrimination is still a very real thing, right? For women, people of color, and for LGBTQIA plus people. And this is one of the things that I find I have to remind people of, right? You know, after marriage equality passed, I think a lot of folks assumed that we were done, that LGBTQ people are good. They're fine. We've crossed over into the other side, and the reality is, is you know, still being fired from jobs. Um, they're still being denied health care. Queer people are being evicted from homes if they're able to secure, you know, stable housing at all. We're having our children taken away. Being able to name discrimination for folks is helpful in helping them understand that our work isn't over yet and that we need civil rights protections for LGBTQ people um, if we're really going to realize uh, equity and liberation for our folks.
0: With LGBTQ teens already four times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers after facing bullying incidents, what advice would you have for these kids, especially dealing with homeschooling with COVID-19?
1: This question is so personal for me. I'm a parent of three, And one of my children is in a relationship with another girl, and one of my children just started using they-them pronouns in addition to he-him pronouns. And so, those statistics land on me really hard, right? Like, I'm really impacted, and I want, you know, my children to be more than just okay. I want them to be able to thrive, And then I think about that question, and I honestly don't know (laughs) if I'm qualified to give them advice. I mean, I think it's important for us to listen to young people. The solutions are in their stories, their experiences and their perspectives and ideas. You know, young people are telling us they need their families to love them unconditionally and want their families to do the work to evolve um, and embrace the totality of their children's lives.
0: How can people get information about the uh, National LGBTQ Task Force?
1: We would love for people to join us, and the easiest way is to visit our website at thetaskforce.org. Folks can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, I'm sure there will be other social media platforms coming, but those are the best places right now.
0: What other projects are you working on?
1: Right now, so Black History Month, Women's History Month, and Pride um, are upon us. So we are in that mode of, again, trying to figure out what the virtual and digital events are going to be. Uh, the task force is going to be doing some Black History Month events highlighting Black staff and board. Um, we'll be doing some joint um, events with uh, the, the uh, National Center for Lesbian Rights. Um, So, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, not just how to um, celebrate those events, but how to do them in ways that feel authentic um, in a digital way. So those are a couple of the things we're teeing up. Um, We're also wrapping up our first digital creating change event. Um, We had over 2,500 queer people and allies in attendance um over four days in January. And so we've got a lot to pull together that will inform other virtual events, maybe informing another virtual creating change next year. It illustrates how much people need community right now. It's not the same as being in person, right? Being at a, a club or a restaurant or um, at a conference in person in a hotel, But the need is still so strong that folks are interested um, in finding ways to learn and create and celebrate together virtually. So we're excited to take the learning from there and figure out how we're going to process and move that forward in the future.
0: Is there a question you wish people would ask you?
1: One of my favorite questions is when people ask why the task force is working on certain issues. The implied question is, why are you working on issues that are not LGBTQ issues, right? Like, why are you working on the census? That's not an LGBTQ issue. And then, right, we talk about why it is, right? Through the census, it determines where billions of dollars go in communities. And a lot of that money goes to safety net services that our people utilize homeless shelters, right, Um, HIV, AIDS um, interventions. Who gets COVID-19 vaccine and when, right? So LGBTQ people are directly impacted by the census and the decisions that are made about where money is and isn't going, how districts are outlined, who are the potential uh, legislators that will be legislating in our states on LGBTQ issues. Um, and so it was exciting because we were able to to take something like the census, which is probably one of the least sexy issues on the planet. <laughs> and we were able to impact millions of people and get them involved um, both in taking the census, but also educating other people about the census and why it's important.
0: Do you have a favorite quote, a mantra to get you through these difficult times?
1: I do right now. This, particular quote is by Shirley Chisholm, who lately has been where all of my quotes are (laughs) that keep me sane. But the one that resonates and gives me life is we must reject not only the stereotypes that others have of us, but also those that we have of ourselves. I worry about what other people are going to think and say if I show up truly and authentically myself And that Shirley Chisholm is thinking about this. And so for her to have said this also makes me feel part of a community of people, right? Like, I'm not alone in feeling like this. And so I'm not going to be alone in training myself out of it. And I know I need to do it for myself, but we also need to do it for each other.